Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me today is Joe Lupton. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Joe. So we've got more things to talk about than we really have time for, but let's let's start first with what we think is happening on growth and maybe get into the inflation stuff and then obviously talk about what is setting up to be an important week for central banks. Um, on the growth side, we got first quarter GDP reports, got a lot of other information. What's the, what's the main takeaway you'd give us here? Well, I think the, 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 the main message is that growth clearly decelerated as we moved into the first quarter, uh, particularly across the developed markets. We knew from prior that China actually had a pretty strong first quarter. But, you know, the across the developed markets, as the Omicron wave was weighing on things at, towards the end of last year and into the early part of this year, you had uh, growth slowing. Uh, now, there were surprises. The U.S. surprised uh, more to the downside, but that was offset by upside surprises. In Europe, uh, I mentioned China, but also other parts of Asia this week reported somewhat stronger than expected. Canada, I think, reported a bit stronger than expected as well. Yeah, for what it's worth, we're, we're tracking 2% uh, on global GDP for Q1. When you kind of take in all of the news since we started the reporting of uh, the GDP numbers, that's actually slightly um, higher than where we were. So not really 2% growth. Nothing uh, dramatic, uh, but but definitely a big slowing. Um, I, I do think I do think it's important when we look at the U.S. number, which had a contraction, to just recognize that uh, a lot of that swing down was trade and inventories, which provided a five percent boost in Q4 of last year. It it provided a four percent drag in Q1. You know, when you go past that, the economy kind of showing final demand growth of something over three percent is still doing reasonably well. Yeah, and and I think that so the the against that you see you had the consumer doing relatively well in a world of tremendous purchasing power squeeze, uh, which we've been talking about for a while, reflecting kind of strong income growth, but importantly the a drop in the saving rate, and you saw that equally in the in the U.S. numbers, but it's true across the developed markets. Yeah, and that was evident in today's uh, personal uh, income and consumption right. report. Uh, I think it's also important in the GDP numbers to think about the U.S. as having had partly a weak number in Q1 uh, in an environment in which imports were growing at, at roughly an 18% pace. So it was helping uh, to deliver some of those upside surprises that you see uh, elsewhere in the world. I mean, buy with a little help from your friends, right? Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk in a second about concerns about China, and I think they're legitimate ones. But why don't you kind of tell me if you uh, agree that uh, in terms of watching the data in the last month or two, to some degree, um, the 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 big concerns on the tail on the downside have really kind of uh, been to some degree uh, alleviated here. Not that there aren't risks, but I I certainly don't feel as worried about things going badly wrong uh, after what we've seen in terms of February March data um, and uh, you know what's been happening uh, more broadly in financial conditions. Yeah, I I guess that's right. You really have to kind of pick your starting point there and, and what you're referring to. But I, I assume you're referring to the world in which you had a kind of a war breakout in, uh, you know, in Europe, you had commodity prices surging. Uh, you know, there's no doubt that if you would have just said that, that you'd be very worried about things. And, and so to the extent 
that things aren't breaking, um, you know, you we should feel pretty pretty good and 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 even better than not breaking. And there's a sense of resilience both in the household sector as well as in the in the business sector, which is a, a note that we, we we put out this week. And I think there are this is a testament to the strong fundamentals which we've been talking about for a while. And those are fundamentals that then set you up for very strong growth in the second half of the year, assuming you can get through that. So full stop on all that. That's right. The so let's let's talk about that getting through with the idea that while some of the things that hurt um, uh, the DM in the first quarter, uh, particularly higher energy prices and Omicron, look like they're fading, we have a news story that's kind of building as a drag in China. How much should we be concerned about that? Well, that's yeah, that's absolutely. That's where I was going to, which is that's that's a big concern, and I think it's a it's a building concern in my mind. We still have a view that we're uh, going to bounce back here in the global economy, but unlike the bounce back from Omicron, the the kind of the the resilience and the bounce back to Omicron, the resilience and the bounce back from the energy drag. I, I I have confidence in that. I can tell the story for all that works. The China story, I. I don't I don't know how we get out of this. I don't know how China gets out of this. And they just seem to be sticking to the zero covid policy. And we slashed China GDP down to below two percent this quarter. We took off at least a few percentage points in the third quarter. And, you know, I don't know what's going to change. Right. I mean, if 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 they're not changing their zero covid policy, why should things suddenly magically get better as we move into the into the second half of the year. Uh, and if that's the case, then I think, you know, it starts to have spillover effects. And, and for what it's worth, despite these very large downgrades to China growth, we haven't touched anything, our outlooks in 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 Asia. We have not really touched anything anywhere else. And the risk well, is, is that one of the issues here is is what do we actually worry about in China? And there's two dimensions to this. There's the dimension of China having to um, uh, restrain people moving around and spending and therefore hitting demand. And the other is that the um, uh, restraints as well as people getting sick uh, create problems in terms of moving goods around and out of the country and therefore um, uh, increase supply constraints. Which of those two is more important does matter even though both of them are both of them are drags on on global right. growth. Clearly the domestic demand drag is going to hit Asia, Asian and kind of exporters to that feed that demand engine. That's that's kind of gone. Um, but the the bigger one is the logistics. And I we we don't we had a flavor of this last year. As I was joking around, we saw this movie last year. It didn't play out well. Things are are different now in the sense that I, I suppose you you say that it's only China and not the rest of Asia that's being hit by this. Also, the demand backdrop maybe isn't quite as strong in terms of the bottleneck pressures and the growth rates that we were seeing. Uh, those are important, but boy, you can see the the anecdotes picking up across the board in terms of backlogs in, in ports. You've got some company reports among key kind of tech producers saying the this is this could be some of the worst that we've seen that is compared even comparing to last year. Uh, auto producers getting more concerned. Yeah, the Japan IP report, which was okay on the month, but uh, for for March, but the the forward looking expectations is for outright contractions, and that was after months and months of of looking for strong growth. 
Um, so all of that kind of sets the stage for for a, a near term, at least, that could kind of start to unravel a bit and um, kind of delay this bounce back that that we're kind of hoping for as we move to the second half. So let's turn to central banks. I mean, there's a lot we could go into on inflation here, but I feel like if I go down that road, it's going to take up all the time. Uh, we do have the Fed up next week. Uh, we did have the Rick's Bank uh, surprise us this week. Uh, let's stay focused in DM land. Um, you know, how fast and how far are people going to move here? I think faster than we faster had expected. Faster, faster and further. further. <laughs> faster and further. Fast and furious, right? Uh, so, but I guess what I wanted to get at is to make the point that I think it's moving faster and that's in our forecast, but still further. So I think you and I, of course, were kind of saying, been pushing this idea that they need to go even more than what's built into our forecast. That's a 23 story. The rapid rise to neutral rates, I think, is is in place and locked in for this year. Uh, there's a few stragglers that I think are kind of kicking and screaming on that point. I mean, the ECB, we put three hikes in, but I don't see why there's any reason they shouldn't go four times this year, particularly after the inflation surprise that we got today and the growth surprise. I can see you shaking your head, Bruce. <laughs> Um, but you've you know, already, I mean, I, you've already chewed our European economists' ears off on that one, so we'll uh, leave them <laughs> alone for the moment. Um, but you know, obviously, the Fed is gonna gonna set the stage next week, where we look for a fifty basis point hike and uh, the the announcement of the the, the balance sheet uh, drawdown. So that will kick things off, and no doubt the the language from Powell is gonna be a, a, a more drumbeat of pretty hawkish uh, hawkish moves with uh, more, you know, potentially another 50 coming is what we're looking for. Yeah. And I think we're going to need to to wrap it up soon. But I think one of the important questions for the Fed next week is to what degree do they provide us uh, guidance? And I think it's going to be hard for them to do anything other than say they've got work to do and uh, they're going to be moving pretty quickly. You know, the one question is whether they're actually willing to signal more uh, concretely that there's a series of 50s that are uh, going to be coming. That's certainly a, a distinct possibility, and it may have increased in chances after we've seen uh, today's ECI report, which clearly was showing labor cost pressures. And that's in some ways the underlying issue of inflation. We can we can kind of you know debate what happens to energy prices, and we can debate this China supply chain stories. But the lasting problem we have has to do with tight labor markets. It has to do with the idea that inflation, having been high for over a year now, is going to start to feed into the wage and price setting process. Um, in terms of the uh, inflation story, we'll just end on this very quickly. I think there's an interesting wrinkle in the European inflation numbers today and what we have in our forecast, which is that even though inflation is still quite elevated here, that energy price stabilization that we're seeing does have some uh, important benefits for inflation coming off in the DM, at least in the next few months, right? That's yeah, and it, no, absolutely. The energy drag is going to fade significantly. Um, and if I can say what we've been saying for the last four quarters, this is the peak in inflation. Are we going to get we're going to get that right one of these quarters, right? Uh, so headline does come down, but of course, the the most important question is what's happening on core and and the core readings is the flash core readings from from the euro area today were were once again pretty surprising, and we've we've marked up the inflation 
forecast throughout the rest of the year, not just not for headline, although I may, well, obviously he did for headline a little bit, but it's because of core, right? And and that's that I think that's where the game's at as we start to move away from these big volatiles, food and uh the 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 energy, food and energy moves, it's gonna be core inflation that's gonna drive this. And for what it's worth, Bruce, it's not just the Fed. We've been have continued upside surprises this week. We had the Rick's Bank surprises to the upside next, which was one of the perennial kind of doves. The other perennial dove is RBA. We now look for them to be hiking next week. We have the Bank of England hiking next week, and then we have a rash of very large increases across the EM with 100 basis points from Capone and Poland. So big moves are, are coming and all central banks are moving in response to this underlying rise in inflation. Okay, I guess we'll leave it there and um, thank everybody again for listening in and hope we can continue the conversation next week on JP Morgan TV. Thank you.